0: Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is Higher Power with Rick Girard. G- using analytics and behavioral
1: models to attract and retain great talent. This is today's topic of conversation for our show. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to discuss and deconstruct insights from top performing entrepreneurs and industry experts. Every week, we uncover tested tactical solutions to solve your company's toughest hiring challenges. Today, our guest is Robert Curtis. Robert is the CEO of Alpha Quantics, provider of people analytics, metrics, and performance solutions and related management training. Uh, Alpha Quantics is a certified partner with Predictive Index. And Robert actively engages business owners and senior management to both direct management and jointly with industry-specific consultants in a variety of capacities focused on hiring the best people, developing employee engagement and delivering employee performance, and shaping organizational culture to help companies be the best they can be. Welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today, Robert. Thank you, Rick. Glad to be here. (laughs) Great to have you here. So we're going to cover three things today. We're going to understand how we use uh, analytics to kind of understand the job itself, how to craft a job description, and then how to format the job description for the best attraction. Sound fun today? Sounds great. All right. Awesome. So I'm going to let you uh, share your wisdom here. So let's talk about how we use analytics tools to really understand what a role is. Sure. Um, our process usually
2: starts with understanding the job position itself. You really, if you're trying to fill a job position, or a group of people similarly similarly situated, you really have to understand what they're up against, what sure. their expectations are, what the characteristics of and the demands of the job are, as well as not just – and we're not talking about just the, uh, you know, the briefcase factors, you know, like the uh, education and the experience and the skill set. We're talking about what it's going to demand for performance and how to get them motivated, how to get them engaged. Okay. And everything from, you know, the actual job expectations, the, the tasks involved, but also the people they're going to be dealing with, the people in their group or in their company or their, including their supervisors, their managers, people like that. And we go into analytics to uh, dig in and find all of that out. We use analytics to find that out. And then we use those to apply what we learn from the analytics um, in the um, recruiting process.
1: Okay. So I find with some companies, they just know they have some work that needs to be done, but they really don't know what that job is. Like you have to sit down and kind of really walk them through and extract that information out of them, right? Exactly. So how do we do that? Um, how How do we get to the core of, the work that needs to be done. Well, in a larger organization,
2: it's kind of easy because what yeah. you can do is look at the existing talent pool and there'll be a lot of people doing similar functions and you can do the analytics on them. You can survey them. You can find out from from the actual employees who's performing well, yep. what their qualities are, why, what makes them tick and what makes them perform well. But it's smaller, mid-sized and smaller organizations have a little bit more of a challenge. Yeah, definitely. So what we usually do in those situations is we'll look to um, the, you know, maybe the person who is currently in the position, if you know, uh, maybe people who have previously held that position. Okay. You look to the current manager in that position. Or gosh, uh,
1: what if it's a new role?
2: If it's a new role, you could also look at the manager, what their expectations are. Okay. You're also, you're also looking at the interaction between the manager, and you're looking with the, action, the interaction of that role, that job, even if it's new, mm-hmm. with the other people on the team, okay. who they're going to be dealing with, whether it's the public or whether it's internally in the organization. And we take a look at that. Uh, you can take a look at that in, in com- combination with all the people in the organization and maybe even outside consultants. And we could, what we literally do is send quick surveys and get information from, gather information from all those people. And we
1: compile it and get a profile. Got it. Okay. So let's uh, kind of inform our audience or let them know what Predictive Index is, right? Okay. Well, Predictive Index, company has been around for about
2: 75 years. Yep. Uh, more than that, It has uh, uh, as far as I know, well more than ten thousand uh, uh, clients around the world. It's a global company. Okay. They do assessments and surveys um, on cognitives and behaviorals, uh, predominantly. And then cognitives also,
1: and behaviorals. Yeah, okay.
2: co- yeah. And uh, cognitives are a very important element of it. That um, <coughs> uh, it, it adds a, a nice dimension to it. The um, but they do it around the world. They do it in seventy-five plus languages, and we are one of their providers. There's okay. uh, eighty or more. Partners around the world, uh, and we're one of we're one of them. And we do we provide predictive analytics solutions, but also other ones. Okay. Uh, predictive analytics is great. It's a great tool. It's a great structure. It adds structure. It adds uh, depth and insight into your hiring process, as well as uh, your onboarding and engagement after hiring.
1: So it really helps you understand the people that you do have. Mm-hmm. First off, right? So you can design the job description, and then you can actually uh, use those tools to target the next person that you're looking for exactly that okay role. so exactly
2: yeah. and you're leading into it when you yeah. go out when you're you're creating your job listing you're creating your job description you're you're deciding where to post it where to look for your uh your people yeah to replace them what you can do is take the analytics we've gathered and use those to, to determine the language um the the voice the keywords the way to communicate with and attract yeah. the people you're looking for you want to attract the right people rather than the wrong people and you want to spend your time effectively and your money effectively to actually to 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 get the interest from the people who would be who would be best for the position so why not start with a position figure that out and apply that in the recruiting process got it got it
1: now similar to disc or Completely different. Well, it's it's kind of like I, when I describe it, I
2: describe it as something like disc or Myers Briggs or something like that, but on steroids. Now, some of these solutions, okay. like de- behavioral solutions, you're not even supposed to use in recruiting because they're not they have inherent biases. They might yeah. be biased of um, gender biased or race or um, culture cultural biases and things. So you don't use them for recruiting it. And for hiring. And Predictive Index is specifically geared toward that, and it's specifically uh, validated and studied to to avoid gender bias, to avoid all of these other biases okay. that can come in there. And it, it is a hiring solution. So that's that's where it's on steroids. It's also on steroids. It's also more than a disc or more than something like that because there's all these tools that they provide in addition to just a behavioral report or just a cognitive report. It's not just a the report. There's yeah. all these tools that you can use with when it comes to engaging employees, when it comes to, well, Let's start at the beginning: interviewing employees, creating, uh, creating. Um, well, the language. fact that
1: you can not actually use it in an right. interview process is huge, right? Because most, huge. most you can't use disk and quite a few other ones.
2: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You use it; it, it comes at least up. At like, in California, it, you can use the system to generate uh, sample interview questions, to uh, language, to to select and determine language that you want to use in your job postings, to um, to also determine how to make a selection within, you know, or after the interview process and yeah. what to consider. You can can, uh, use it in a lot of different ways, but there's a whole series of tools, and they're all geared toward the whole hiring process as well as the onboarding and engagement process.
1: Okay, excellent. So now let's kind of transition to the importance of the language used in the job description because you and I had talked about Predictive Index being a pretty good tool in in crafting that language or coming up with the right language that's going to target those people, right? Yeah. So... I guess in order for you to, to, to craft it properly, first you need to understand what that target person looks like.
2: Exactly. And so what that's what the analytics are great for. And the okay. job assessing, essentially assessing the job and the job position, and, and then figuring out your target um, employee, your target candidate for the job. Now, how do you communicate with, how do you get that tar- yeah, target candidate, that? the ideal person in? What you do is you look at the position first and you say, is this a position um, that requires certain attributes? And we, we focus on strengths. What are the strengths that we want to bring in? What, impl- what, per- what what are the strengths of the person that we want to fill this position? And then you talk to that and you speak to those strengths. So, yep. for an example, if it's a if it's a person who is very engaging with people and very people-oriented, th- what you would do is you would speak to them in ways that resonate with somebody who, who uh, engages on that level. Okay. However, if it's a different kind of position where it's... But if it's an
1: engineer or something right. like that, because those tend to be a little bit tougher, right? Uh,
2: yeah, exactly. And your interviewing process might be a little bit more uneasy. You, you basically, it's, most of those kind of interviewing processes or recruiting processes are, are based predominantly, to a large extent, on the resume and the skill set and everything else. But then you have to also look at how they're going to engage with the rest of the team. Yeah. Is there, or are the people they're going to deal with on a regular basis. Do they well, have?
1: it doesn't really do anything for the skills so much, but it does do a lot for whether or not they're going to interact well with the team. Exactly, yeah. and how they're going to perform
2: yeah. and whether they're going to deliver timely and, and the right results you need and whether they're
1: going to respond um, in the environment that they're putting them into. Got it. Okay. So the, the separate skills piece is something that really company has to do a little bit on their own.
2: Oh yeah, that that's the yeah. you know, that's uh, that's going to come you know, yeah. managers and business owners and other people, they 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 have the nine times out of 10, they already have the skill set and understanding of what the technical requirements of the job are and that's yeah. education. What they don't understand is and what's difficult to determine is how that person is going to be a good fit and how that person is going to be a good engagement and help the company culture to be where they want it to be.
1: Got it? All right. So, crafting keywords. I'm gonna I'm gonna use an engineer as example again because sure. I know that you and I both know those are usually the toughest mm-hmm. people, right? So, from that perspective, how do we target? How do we get the right? Um, how do we get the right keyword triggers in order for us to really get that right? Engineer. Okay, so for, for example, we
2: wouldn't look at only the fact that they're an engineer. We'd look at sure. the, who they're going to be dealing with, what their boss is like, what their other coworkers are like, whether sure. they're going to be dealing with the public or not, and various factors like that. Once you have that information and you kind of understand where they're, com- where they're going to be situated, then you look at the kind of person that you need, and you look at factors of... Their, for example, their how quick they are, how uh, their their emotional quotient levels, their the various levels of their skill set, their soft skills. Got it. And and also the behavioral things, and then you you can t- you use that understanding. For example, in an engineer case, you're probably going to meet somebody who's detail oriented, takes their time, that is technical and results oriented, mm-hmm. and things like that. Various characteristics, but they also might have a boss that is. Um, not necessarily like them. It's more of a people manager or, or people person, or maybe more of a sales oriented person. Right. Yeah. And so they're going to engage with them on a different level. So you need somebody that can adapt to that. So, but rather than having, that. rather than crafting your language, that, like a, a, people person manager would normally think you have to dig in and get behind the mind of that engineer and use the keywords and the key descriptions, such as stability, such, such as defined tasks, such as um, describing it with structure. the structure and yeah. the the um, the room to take time. The the less you know, de-emphasize the urgency and the time of the performed job performance because that type of person um, is not going to respond to that. Yeah. Now, if it is a job that requires quick thinking or <laughs> requires quick response, times mean, you have to be very clear. You have to be honest about it. Yeah, but at the same time, you don't want you you don't want to and unnecessarily impose those things that a, that a people person manager might uh, find attractive. The person drafting the, the job description might find those attractive and interesting, but not the person that's supposed to respond to the description.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> so really, we're using it as a tool for not only just performance review and engagement, but performance and how that person is managed across the board exactly okay and and
2: you're you're setting them up for success you're setting them up by by emphasizing their strengths attracting them because of their strengths and then putting them in a situation where they can flourish where they can they can build upon those strengths and perform well
1: boom that's what i like to hear (laughs) we're talking to robert curtis ceo of alpha quantics we're going to take a quick break but when we come back we're going to talk a little bit more about how to actually plug impact words into a job description. We're going to help you build out a job description that's going to engage these people. Be
0: right back. You're listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard, giving you access to recruiting techniques that will help you hire key talent to build your company towards real success. Rick is a recruiting executive and entrepreneur who's been successfully recruiting in the aggressive Silicon Valley technology landscape for the past two decades. After a very successful stint at Apogee, he founded Stride Search in 2012. Based on a lean efficiency model, Stride has uniquely positioned itself as a leader in retained search for the most critical talent hires within a small organization. Whether you're a startup executive or recruiting professional, by listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard, you will walk away with skills to help you attract and hire great talent. Now back to Higher Power with Rick Girard. And welcome back to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard.
1: And before the break, we were talking a bit about understanding kind of a job and using analytics to craft a job description. Our guest is Robert Curtis of Alpha Quantics, And now we're going to explore some examples of how you plug in these words for maximum attraction and how to build out an effective job description, Right, which is key to my heart. So let's Let's talk about that. Okay. So,
2: actually, you know, it was a great lead-in uh, before the break to at a great example that I have. And I use this with uh, clients and in my training sessions and various things quite often. Mm-hmm. The example is this. I, an early client of mine was a security guard company. And they have, you know, hundreds of security guards and, you know, local retailers and banks and various other institutions. And Okay. Um, the owner, who's a very entrepreneurial guy, very innovative and creative guy, came to me and said, hey, look, I, I've got to figure out how to um, help manage my people effectively. It seems like when I sit down with them, I can't communicate with them. I can't, um, I can't understand. I, I don't understand them, and they don't understand we are totally different. And yeah. so we went and did the assessment, so we figured it out. That Yeah, they what he already knew, which is they're very different kinds of people. Yeah. But we also need, found out what kind of person we needed to attract and how we needed to attract those people so they would be effective in their organization. What was an unintended kind of consequence of our analytics was that we found out um, that based on his company, his structure, and the assignments that they had is that they needed essentially four different kinds of security guards, not just one. And they didn't want people just because they had their license to be a security guard. They wanted people that had certain characteristics because those people were performing much better in different positions, so you have the night so guard. You the have night
1: guard, the mall cop. The
2: mall cop, exactly. Mall <laughs>
1: blart. You have the bank. You have
2: the bank uh, okay. you have guards who are a little bit, you know, separate, the high security kind of people or whatever it might be. And there were, and there were, and, and then also you have to consider the management level people, the people sure. who rise to the next level. And we 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 kind of you know worked out a series of several different profiles essentially of the kinds of people we're looking for. And we also, in the course of that, we educated the owner entrepreneur and his management staff and team on how they were going to engage these people, how they can uh, how they can do a better job. Yeah. And so some of the things that you just mentioned when it came to engineer, when it come, came to engineers, yeah, very uh, you know certain security guard positions and role, role, roles required that the, the formality, the rules, the structure. Other ones, the mall cop, yeah, very social people. Very engaging, very interested in the people. They want to be around not people. Not the ball
1: cops around here. But. Well, <laughs> whether
2: you think it or not, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it depends on the guy, right? The uh, night guards, you can imagine, are very different. Oh yeah, much slower pace, much more uh, independent, and various other characteristics. So we, you know, there's certain things that you can char- that you can um, you can target and identify with, and then you can you can create use the keywords that resonate and attract those kind of people that are will be a natural fit for the pos- positions you're looking for. If you're looking for a bunch of night guards, you don't want to talk necessarily about engaging with a team, and you don't want to use words that talk about engaging with other people or being oh, yeah. responsible yeah. for prompt deadlines and yeah. things like that. You want to talk about and use words that resonate with the, their independence and their, their, the, the even pace of their work and the stability of things. And the and the the uh, you know the they there the characteristics and other words that might come up and we can come up with then we come up with those suggestions based upon the analytics we do.
1: Got it. All right. So now let's dig into a job description. Okay. Because I have my format that I use. I know. Well. But... Okay. So now, now we have to, Rick.
2: I have to qualify what I'm saying. I'm not. Uh, you're the you're the guy for the you know job description. Job description oh, yeah. I'm the guy for the keywords. <clears throat> I'm the guy for understanding what needs to go in there. But the dis- but but that being said. I, we can add some value there too. Yeah. The value that we can add is this. When you're looking for, and a great example are the two things you've, we've just talked about, which is the engineer versus the security guard. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, so a security guard, certain security guard positions might require the formality, the diligence, the time, and various other things, right? Um, that's Those are the same characteristics of an engineer, but when you're putting a job description down for an engineer versus a security guard, even though the, the actual Job itself has a lot of similarities. It, it's there's a lot of differences. And one of the big differences is going to be the language and the way you speak to them. So an engineer, yeah. technical language, higher level, higher maybe in a university level or postgraduate. More
1: logical rather than emotional. Well,
2: and yeah. also the vocabulary that yeah. you use in the description. That will the higher level will attract somebody with a higher level too, right? Absolutely. Whereas a security guard is, Hey, good person, trained person, ordinary person in the sense of they're not focused on their higher degrees and all of this other stuff. They're focused on the day to day job and everything else. So you're going to use a little bit more ordinary language and communicate an ordinary communication um, style with them. Yeah. So the way you structure your sentence, the way you structure your job description might be using more ordinary conversational words, more shorter sentences, Maybe even a shorter description itself. Yeah, they'll get the point. Yeah, but with an engineer, they yeah. might 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 want a little more detail, and they might want those higher level words and they and the technical terms. They might say, "Hey, I, I." They're very focused on what they can and can't do. Yeah, so you want to make sure that you can put in there things that they will resonate with, that they can do, and that they can identify with, so that they'll respond.
1: Well, this this is why I wanted to have you on the show, and this is why I like kind of what you do because actually. If, if we've got an idea of what that person looks like, then you can plug in the right verbiage for that mm-hmm. right person. And mm-hmm. you're right. The language makes a huge difference.
2: Absolutely. Especially.
1: So you do have to target that. You know, whenever you're crafting a job description, you have to target it toward your audience, that yep. person that you want. Mm-hmm. You want to touch that person. It's going to be the optimal performer for your role.
2: Okay, now here's something I want to add on to it, Rick. Okay. okay I I met you a, a few a few months back, several months back, sure. right? And I met you right after that. I came to one of your presentations, or at least I caught the tail end of it. I was in a meeting, but I yeah. caught the tail end of it. I loved what I was hearing, okay? And what, what, what you were talking about was um, figuring out the, um, and I, you correct me, on my land, and the way I describe it, but it's figuring out essentially the pain points or the yeah. the the discomfort, the things that a, com- a person doesn't like about their current employer. Because most people you're recruiting now are employed. There's full employment, 70%, right?
1: Seventy <laughs> percent right. of people are unhappy in their jobs. Okay, so, so you yeah. got to
2: figure out. What would make that kind of person unhappy in their current position? And if you can use those keywords and you can inject those into your description and into your job postings and everything else that will help you find the people and, and, and I, and get something that, like I said before, resonates with them and says, I really am interested in this job more than my current
1: job. Yeah. I I call it opening up a career wound. I mean, uh, you know, everybody's, uh, everybody's got some sort of wound in their career, right? But if it's something that's big enough, and we can touch them at the right time, then maybe we could be the Band-Aid to heal that wound.
2: Exactly. And, and yeah. going back to our example of security guards or engineers or somebody like that, you know, there might be things that are career wounds. For example, yeah. uh, an engineer hasn't been hasn't felt like he could rise to the level of manager. Well, maybe you have or what they want. To, maybe yeah, that's what work. you're looking for. Maybe yeah. you're looking for an engineer that can rise to the level of manager. Well, if you can put those key descriptive words in there and that you're not only touching on getting what you need, but you're also touching on the the, the wound or the pain yeah. point for that, uh, you know, the candidate that you're looking for.
1: And, and, you know, when you're building this out, too, what's interesting is there's three wounds that come up almost every time. One of three, things. So no, One is lack of growth or inability for them to really take on or make the impact that they want to. Second would be the challenge of the work. Mm-hmm. Um, they're bored. The content of the work is boring, or they're just doing repetitive things, and it's not challenging anymore. And third is leadership.
2: Okay, I'm going to challenge you right now, Rick. Okay. Okay, and the challenge I'm going to give to you is because you just described things. That I, and by the way, I, you did my analytics, right? So I've seen... Yeah, I did. You're a your results-oriented, driven guy, um, very high-performance-oriented and results-oriented kind of person, right? Yeah. The three things you just described, described that inherently, okay? Mm-hmm. So you have to understand and think about it. When you're talking to an engineer, their performance and their results are not on timeliness. They're not on increasing profits. They're not on... Quick things or dramatic things or, or things like that—they're they're focused on the detail. Oh, they're yeah. focused on quality. They're focused on thorough, being thorough and everything. So yeah. the keywords that that might appeal to you—you got to double think it and you look at our analytics and realize that wait a second, what is appealing to you might not necessarily be as as appealing to them. So True. it gets True. You, it, it opens up the door to look at it and see it from their eyes, sure, um, of the the real candidate you want.
1: But, you know, the growth could mean anything, right? Or the -hmm. the content of the work can mean anything. Absolutely. And, you know. Absolutely. And I'm I'm not saying that you're wrong. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's performed
2: based on my. Growth can come in different ways, for example. And that's that's all I'm saying. I'm saying that the growth can come in the way that you might be accustomed to versus the way that an engineer might. Growth might be learning something more in depth, taking more time having more responsibility for the details might be the growth that they're looking for versus somebody like you, who's super dynamic and super outgoing and everything else, yeah. your growth, it comes in a different way.
1: Well, you know, you mentioned the pain point, right? And mm-hmm. this is like a, I think recruiting is kind of, it's a sales cycle, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't go into a, a meeting without knowing what your client's pain point is mm-hmm. or potential clients. Right. Exactly. So, you know, this is why I, I, I beat my head against the wall talking about this so much because it's so important that you actually touch somebody in a different way rather than trying to push a job down their throat.
2: Yeah, and that's uh, the problem is with the competitive um, environment now with full employment and yeah. everybody you know, basically anybody who's not employed right now is going to be if they're if they're good quality and they're a good person they're going to be uh, taken up right away and oh, yeah. by somebody and and if you're not there you're not first you might lose out. But then there's a lot of people who are working and situated and have these. wounds that you talk about and and do want to move and do want to advance their career and grow and everything else and if you can find them then you've got great candidates
1: and you can if you don't approach it from hey i got a job are you interested in a job right right because no they're not
2: you got to throw in those adjectives and the descriptors and everything else that make it appealing exactly
1: all right so all right so here's my here's my five things that i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of plug as far as what needs to be in a job description and i've done this before but i I feel like I like to be a dead horse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you, you do want to open the career wound as we talked about. You um, You want to make sure that you, you exemplify that you can provide purpose. You can provide the growth path and the purpose this person wants. You need to define your projects and the challenges of it. And then you need to build a performance metric for the first 90 days and then at one year, which is really impressive. You can think a year out. How are you going to judge this person? Um, somebody who's a performer is going to be like, I already know what I need to do for my first year, and I know how I've, I've got to figure out how to exceed it, and boom, you know, I'm in a good position. Then you want to lay out a little bit your criteria for hiring, your bar, and throw in a call to action. Mm-hmm. So this is a little homework assignment that I love to put on job descriptions that says, "Hey, at the end, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before you just send us your resume, not a cover letter." But, hey, we'd like to know two things about you. So, you know, what do you feel you're capable of achieving is always a good question. So they can help you, number one, to understand what might be their wound, but also gives you an idea of how they feel about themselves from a performance perspective. I know now I'm throwing my.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. No, no, this is great. This is awesome. And then uh, tell me about the most significant accomplishment you've had in your current role. Mm -hmm. Um, If they can kind of put something out there and they can express it. Then you probably have somebody who is worth talking to. Now, if we have a, a independent
2: of our if we have a minute, I'd love to elaborate on that and say we look, do, yeah. their response that the, those three questions or two or three questions, whatever you put in there, those they're, they're free flowing information. Yeah, how you read and what you see in that response can give you great insight. Oh yeah, uh, not only into who they are and what kind of person they are, but how they will fit with the job. Yeah. And you you pair that with the analytics that say this type of person will pair, you know, if they're brief in the discussion, if they use a certain level of vocabulary, if they use certain key words that, to, to describe themselves that fit yeah. with the job position, the job analytics, the, the analysis that you've done on your job, that's phenomenal because that's an additional way to identify the people who are going to really succeed.
1: Yeah. Spot on. Well, great way to wrap it up, too, Robert. So we're just about out of time for today's show. God, we should do an hour show sometimes. Robert, thanks again for your time investment today, and um, welcome to the Higher Power Radio. Uh, thank you very much for having me. I Ab- really appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, uh, I'm sure that people want to use Predictive Index and get and find out more about Alpha Quantix. What's the best way for them to reach you?
2: Well, you can go to alphaquantix.com and the quantix, it out. Uh, A-L-P-H-A, Quantix, Q-A-N-T-I-X, on the end, .com. All right. And you get information there, um, they can call us at 877-QUANTIX, again with an X on the end. Okay. And get more information, and uh, we're glad to help out. I mean, we, we do informational uh, training, seminars, and educational events uh, regularly, and uh, we're glad to invite you uh, to come attend and learn.
1: Awesome. And I, and believe me, guys, um, Bob is an expert in this. He knows his stuff and his... his um, the, the analytics test is fascinating and almost a little discouraging. <laughs> no, it's supposed to be totally encouraging. I'm just encouraging. kidding. All totally oh, right, That was for me. <laughs> so I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and our executive producer, Kim Iverson. So listen to this show and any past episodes. You can check us out on Hire, that's H-I-R-E, powerradio.com. Or Higher Power Radio on iTunes. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook at Higher Power Radio Show. Or you can follow me on Instagram at Gerard one You can also check me out. I'll be speaking on March 7th at Disrupt HR. Woo! There you go. (laughs) So we have another great show lined up for you guys next week. Our our guest is going to be Gene Latu, the founder and CEO of Ingenio Solutions. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha.
0: Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio.